This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 96. And so I went to these guys one day. I don't know why I did it, but I did. And I said, listen, why don't we take your money, my experience? And they said, your experience? How old are you? And I said, I'm 18. Oh, but we have an entire audience that's looking for significance. What they're realizing is their stuff and their money's not scratching the itch. If you're working for the day you can retire, stop doing that because it is not what you think it's going to be. And so I just encourage people not to tie their identity up into their stuff, their title, or their money. All right, man, let's fire the gun, ride the bullet. I think if you're still listening to this, you probably are still trying to figure out what it is that you should be doing for work, at least a little bit. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to text HTYC to 38470. We'll enroll you in our eight-day figure-it-out email mini course. And again, all you have to do is text HTYC to 38470, or you can visit figureitout.co. See you there. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. This is the show where we help you take control of your life and figure out what it is that you should be doing. We get to feature people that have pretty amazing stories of making changes and experts that can help you live the life that you want to. And people like our next guest that really help you experience significance and find and understand what significance is for you. I think you're absolutely going to love it because in our conversation, we talk about the whole danger of tying your identity to your job and your possessions and your income and what you can do and how you can go about it instead. We also talk about why it's so important to define what success looks like to you. And then lastly, we talk about the power in viewing happiness as a choice. And we also talk about how you can get access to Aaron, our guest, powerful self-assessment tools. Now, Aaron Walker is our guest. He has this absolutely amazing story about how he's taken his life from success to significance. And he's done that in a variety of different ways. He's owned eight different businesses, over the last 35 years. He's also been married for 35 years as well. There's a lot to learn from this guy. And without further ado, listen to my conversation with Aaron Walker. I'm really interested in talking about your story because you've got a great one. You've had you know, numerous companies at this point that you have been able to build and sell. You have made a number of different transitions. You've been able to take time off and, and really get clear on what this idea of significance means. So I want to I delve into all this today. But I really first want to start with, you had a very, very early start to work into your career, into your business, right? I did. You know, I started really early at 13 years old. My dad asked me to help him one summer remodel this little retail shop into a pawn shop. I didn't even know what that was. And I said, well, if I can make some money this summer, I'd love to do it. So it took us two or three months. And at the end of the job, the guy that owns it was 23 at the time. And I was 13. And I said, listen, 
I go to school down the street. I live not far from here. I'd love to work here in the afternoons and on Saturday if you need any help cleaning up. He went, you're hired. And I went, that's the <laughs> shortest interview in history, you know. So I started working there and fell in love with the business. And when I was 15 years old, I was at school one day, and there's this girl named Lori Sanders that sat in front of me. And I said, Lori, i got to get out of this place. It sounded like prison to me, you know, being at school. She said, go to the guidance counselor. My brother got out early. Maybe they can help you. I went down there, figured out a way, went to summer school and night school the next 18 months. And when I started my junior year in high school, I had enough credits to graduate. So I didn't have to go my junior and senior year of high school. So I worked every day, fell in love with the palm business, a couple of guys came in. They started buying diamond rings. Scott, these guys were buying diamond rings by the sack full. Of them. I went up to him one day and I said, listen, this is none of my business. I'm happy to be selling you these, but what are you doing with them? He said, we're putting them in a lockbox. We own a large insurance agency yeah. and we're hedging against inflation. And I said, well, I didn't even know what that meant. And I said, <laughs> well, that sounds good to keep buying them. So I got to thinking about it one day and I came from a very, very humble background. My mom and dad never had any money. I mean, I got two brothers and a sister, and we lived in 800 square feet. My dad was in construction. He never made over probably $15,000 a year in his life. So I know all about being poor and broke. And so I went to these guys one day. I don't know why I did it, but I did. And I said, listen, why don't we take your money, my experience? And they said, your experience? How old are you? And I said, I'm 18. <laughs> he said, how much experience can you have at 18 years old? I said, I've been here since I was 13 and five years, the way I added up. And he started laughing. He said, you really want to go in business with us? I said, absolutely. He said, let me think about it. So they went back and they called me in their office and they said, this is pretty ironic, you know, for an 18 year old to come up and ask us to go into business, but we're interested. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. This is good news. You know? So he said, what is it going to cost to open our own store? I took two weeks and I came back to him and I said, $150,000. He said, that's a lot of money. I said, it is a lot of money. So we thought about it. He checked on me a little bit and he said, you know what? We're going to do it. And I'm like, this is a dream. Are you serious? <laughs> and he said, no, we're going to do it. So he said, but we want you to have skin in the game. So we went to the bank and we signed a note. My mom said, I was still living at home. I was 18. My mom said, sign the note. You don't have anything to lose. They can't come get anything. You don't own anything. <laughs> so I signed the loan and, uh, they handed me a checkbook, Scott, and they said, here you go, $150,000. I'm 18 years old. I go out, find a location, and uh, negotiate the deal with a guy named Charlie Wheeler in the Crescent Plaza Shopping Center in Nashville, Tennessee. I go up and negotiate a lease, open the business. I go around to yard sales and places, and I buy stuff to fill the shelves because we're a pawn shop. It's used merchandise. Man, Scott, business went crazy. I mean, it just it was just a godsend. Business started doing good. We had a 10-year loan, and we paid it off in 36 months. It wow. was just incredible. So Robin and I got married in this process. Two weeks after she got out of high school, we got married. She started helping me every night. We'd go out into subdivisions, and we'd pass out flyers, you know, promoting our business. It just grew and grew. We decided after we got married, though, we were going to live like no one else. We said, we're going to live our life on purpose, intentionally, and we're going to do it our way. We're not going to live compared to the Joneses and the Smiths. We're going to do it our way. And here's what we are going to do. We're going to take $18,000 a year, and we're going to live our life on $18,000 a year. We did that, Scott, for the next nine years. We put all the money back into the business. When I was 21, we opened our second store. It did exceptionally well also. When I was 25, our third store. I was 26, our fourth store. 
And then a company called Cash America, they're in Fort Worth, Texas. They were growing through acquisition rather than startups. And they came to me, wanted to buy the store. I didn't want to sell it. I said, no, I'm 27 years old. What am I going to do? And they said, we don't care what you do. Here's your money. I said, no, I'm not interested. We did that song and dance for about six months. Finally, he came back and he said, hypothetically, if you were going to sell it, what would you take? And I said, well, here's my chance to get rid of the guys. And I told them a number and they said, we'll take it. And I'm like, no way. Are you serious? And they said, yeah. And I said, you know, I just built this new building. And he said, that doesn't include the building. He said, that's for the business. I said, you mean I get to keep the building? And he said, yeah. Called my banker. He goes, Aaron, you got to do it. And I said, okay. So two weeks later, Scott, I was done, man. 27 years old. I'm thinking this is the life of Riley. How, how much better could it get? So that's, that's amazing. I want to go back really quick, though. And ask you, what what really prompted you and Robin to want to live like that in the first place? Well, because I didn't have anything to begin with, right? And I saw people that had money, and I saw that they didn't appear to be happy. I mean, it was like, well, why do I want to get something that's not going to make me any happier? And I thought, I want to build something of substance. I want to build something that's got some size to it, you know. I had no idea that a Fortune 500 company was going to buy me out. But I thought, while I've got the opportunity, I want to do it right. I don't want to go out here and just because I can afford to buy a bigger house and Mm -hmm. buy one, have this big mortgage payment and buy these big cars and make payments. I didn't want to do all that. We did have some payments early on with some things, but I thought I'm going to do it modest. You know, I'm going to do this small and pour the money back into the business. And I understand from what I've heard and read, that's why you grow a good business. It worked out. It panned out because if I had increased my lifestyle, I wouldn't have had the money to bought the second store. And I encourage people now to do that. You know, it's like just reinvest in yourself. There's no better place to invest in yourself, right? I don't believe in investing in things I don't have control over. I can lose money with the best of them. I don't need it to give it to somebody else to invest. But I wanted to put the money back into my control. And I was able to oversee it. And so we just built the businesses. And I guess I just had the intuition, I guess, if you will, uh, to, to do that. I don't know. I can't explain that, but we did. And we just lived intentionally. And we didn't want to look at the Joneses and the Smiths. I didn't want to compare myself to them because there's always somebody else that's got a little more. And if you stay in that mode of comparison, you're always trying to beat them or stay up with them. Or, yeah, that's tiring. To me, that's exhausting to live like that. I said, hey, we're going to do our thing. And we did. We lived in a very small house, poured the money back into the business, and we were able to raise our two children. I've got two daughters, and now one of them's 32, one of them's 29. And we were able to raise them without a lot of the stress that people experience today. Just because you can buy something doesn't mean you should. And so we just wanted to really pay attention. So that is so interesting. I do uh, wish that Alyssa, my wife, and I had had that type of wake up much, much closer to you know age uh, 21 or 23 or whatever it was that, uh, that you guys did. It took us till about 27, 26, 27, someplace in there before we really realized we didn't have to keep up with the Joneses. And actually, your, your friend Dave Ramsey was a, was a part of that too. Uh, but yeah, I, what, I'm really curious though what, what you would advise people that are kind of in that, in that place, because I've found that exactly what you said, it takes up a lot of headspace. It takes up a lot of stress. It takes yeah. up a lot of uh, all kinds of other things, energy of uh, various different types to try and play that game, if you want to call it. But how do you break away from that or 
Yeah, here's what you got to discover is that people tie their identity up into their possessions and their title. And what happens when that goes away? Right? You, you lose your job and, or you lose your stuff. Now what you're saying is, is your identity is gone and people crumble. They're like, I can't even go in public anymore, you know, because I don't own that business or we had to sell the house and now what are people going to think? And I'm like, wow, I just don't want to live under those conditions because you're always striving to get more. You're always striving to do better. Your title now is, you know, janitor, sales clerk, vice president, president, CEO. You go up the ladder and then now you're puffed up, you know, because, and then when that company gets sold and you're no longer the CEO or the president, it's like, oh man, what are people going to think now? Right. And I'm like, right. Well, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. So my identity is in Christ and that's enough for me. It's like, Hey, he uniquely made me Aaron Walker. I am who I am. My title doesn't change that. My money doesn't change that. My possessions don't change that. Right. And so I just encourage people not to tie their identity up into their stuff, their title or their money. That is very interesting. I love that. And I think I want to come back to that here in a little bit and really delve even further in. But I also want to hear about, you know, we, we kind of left off. You're, you've now, you've sold this business. You've sold it for millions of dollars. You have, you didn't even anticipate selling it in the first place. It was primarily <laughs> just to, just to get rid of uh, them asking. And you now find yourself in this in this, in this place, what, yeah. what happened from there? It was fun. The first morning I woke up and yeah. I looked at Robin and we got two little girls, you know, and she looked at me, she goes, well, what are you going to do today? I started laughing. I said, I'm going to do whatever I want to do today. That's what I'm going to do. And she started laughing. Well, that was fun. I'd go play golf with some buddies and a friend of mine owned a house in Naples and he let us use it. He said, use it for the whole summer. I'm not even down there. We lasted three weeks and we came back. I said, I'm bored out of my mind. So about six months into this thing, I start getting bored. And Robin goes, what are you going to do today? And I said, well, I'm playing golf with guys 65 years old, and that's not a lot of fun when you're 27. Plus, they're beating me, and that makes it worse. And so I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'd sit on the patio. I'd watch TV. I'd go fishing. Yeah. And a lot of people, let me just encourage you. If you're working for the day you can retire, stop doing that. Because it is not what you think it's going to be. It was fun. I enjoyed it, all that. I get it. You know, I I get that. But if you don't have purpose and you don't have a reason every day to get up and pour into your family and pour into others, it'll happen to you what happened to me. And that's I got depressed. And I started getting in the bed, not on the bed, not on the couch. I got in the bed, Scott, in the middle of the day. I was so depressed. I wanted to go to sleep. I gained 50 pounds in 18 months. And I'm like, what am I doing? Robin woke me up. I'll never forget it. She woke me up in the middle of the day one day, and she said, Aaron, you have got to do something productive. And I said, I don't know what to do. And she said, start another business, go to work for somebody. I don't care what you do, but you got to do something. So I thought about it, and I went back to my buddy, Herb Berry, that owned the pawn shop I yeah. worked at when I was young. And I said, Herb, can, can I work here a day a week? And he started laughing. He said, Big A. They all call me Big A. Hmm. My friend Scott, you can call me Big A now that we know each other. He <laughs> said, Big A, have you already spent all that money? And I started laughing. 
And I said, no, I hadn't. I said, but uh, I got to do something, Herb. He said, you know, I need some time off. Why don't you just work here and give me a day off a week? And I said, okay. So I started doing that. Well, we started growing the business. And I started putting money into that business. And we started increasing his business. I went to him about 18 months later. I said, why don't we form a partnership? You work three days a week. I'll work the other three days a week. And we'll do whatever we want. Man, Scott, we did that for the next 10 years. It was incredible. We grew that business four times the size that it was. It was phenomenal. And I had purpose again, right? I had meaning. I'm a creator developer. You know, I'm not a maintainer manager. I like to grow things. I like to get things that are in trouble or take things small and make them big. Lee Iacocca is one of my you know, favorite guys, but oh, the yeah. turnaround guy. So one day, though, all that changed. It was August 1st, 2001. Uh, I was on my way to the office and uh, normal drinking coffee. You know, everything was good. Beautiful morning. It was hot. It was hotter than blue blazes here in Nashville in August. And I'm driving and I see this guy crossing the streets, a four-lane highway I'm going down, and he gets to the center lane and he hesitates. You know, there's a bus stopped on the right-hand side of the road, and I put it together in my mind. He's catching the bus, and he hesitates and stops, and I'm thinking, you know, all this is happening over a three-second period, and I'm like, well, he's waiting. So I accelerated, and I take off, and I'm in a big SUV. I get right to the guy, and he takes off running for the bus. He just he didn't see me, and I hit him, and it kills him. Uh, and I pull over to the side of the road and I'm shaking and I'm like saying, God, please, this, it was so surreal. You know, it's like, this is not happening to me, you know, and I get out and I look, cars are stopping everywhere and I grab my cell phone and I'm trying to dial 911. My hand's shaking so hard. I can't even dial 911. Finally, I get my right hand stopped with the phone and I, I finally get to push the buttons 911. Police cars, ambulances, paramedics, everybody, they're coming from everywhere. And I'm like in this surreal state of mind. I'm like, I can't believe this just happened. So anyway, you know, we go through all the investigation stuff and all that. And um, three days later, Vanderbilt Trauma Unity dies. And I go to Robin and I said, listen, we've been chasing money. We've been building businesses We've done good. I don't have to work, you know, and I'm out here every day now just trying for more. You know, we had a vacation home and then we bought another one on the beach. And I'm not saying that to boast. I'm just saying that 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 was what was on my mind. So I went to my partner and I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm finished. And he said, well, I understand. So we worked out a deal and I sold him the business and we took five years off. I went back. I said, I got to get my feet back under me and I've got to see what my purpose is, what the meaning is. We traveled. We went all over everywhere, did cruises. We had to get away. We built another house. We kind of changed, you know, location. So finally, five years go by. I'm getting fat again and lazy. And Robin goes, It's time. You got to do something else. And I start laughing. Robin keeps me in check. You know, we've been I can married see th- that. 35 years now. She said, you're getting fat again. You're getting lazy. You're taking these naps. So the guy that built my house did such an incredible job. I went to him and I said, listen, we can take this business to the next level. He said, what? I said, you do what you do. I'll do what I do. We'll form a partnership and we'll grow this thing. He said, let's do it. So we took that business in eight years to the number one builder in Middle Tennessee, three consecutive years. It was a blast. Let me cut back in here for a second. I want you to meet Tracy. I'm Tracy, and I'm from San Diego. I am a microbiology lab supervisor at a medical device and diagnostics company here in town. 
Before Tracy found our eight-day figure-it-out course, here's what life was like for her. I was drowning in debt and seriously struggling to find a way out of it. I've got student loans <laughs> from the late 90s that I'm trying to pay down as well as a car loan. Okay, now you might be thinking, what does debt have to do with Tracy's career? And what does any of this have to do with this eight-day figure-it-out course? And this course really helped me to gain a lot of clarity around what was important to me and helped me to see possibilities beyond my current situation. So with that, I've actually started a small virtual assistant business on the side, and I have been able to seriously accelerate my debt repayment plan. I will be completely debt-free in just over two years from now. Wow. Congratulations, Tracy. We love hearing stories just like that one. Now, if you want that type of clarity that can help you move forward in your life, here's what you can do. Just text HTYC to 38470, HTYC to 38470, or just visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. Then in 19, uh, I don't remember what year it was. 2000-something, I turned 50, and I said, I'm done. I'm retiring. I retired, and my buddy Dave Ramsey, that I've been in a mastermind group with for a couple of decades. Yeah. Dan Miller, 48 Days of the Work You Love. He's a personal mentor and coach of mine for almost 20 years. They said, Aaron, you got to coach. And I said, I'm not coaching anybody doing anything. I'm through. Now I'm going to fish and hunt and do whatever. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. Dave said, hey, come be my guest in Entree Leadership Mastery Series that was a $10,000 present. I said, I'll take you up on that. So I went, we did it and I loved it. And then I went to Dan Miller's innovate, you know, and he said, Aaron, those guys are listening to you because you got stories, you got successful business, you got a successful marriage, you got a coach. I said, well, I'll try it. So I started coaching a couple of guys, man, it blew up. It just went crazy. Now I get to coach ordinary guys and help them become extraordinary. That's kind of what my life's been. So that is, first of all, I love your, sto your story. And I told you that even before we hit the record button. But I also, at the same time, think some people that, you know, that are listening to this, like if you're, if you're listening to this right now, when you're listening to this right now, as you hear that, it might be hard to relate to taking five years off. Yeah, I, I'm really curious, like break that down for me a little yeah. bit. And I want to come back to a few of these different things because first of all, I am, I am enthralled with some of the experiences you have had. Um, but also at the same time, I want to help break this down a little sure. bit because you've been, you've been searching for this significance. And I know that's something that you have, you now work with people to find. Right. Well, and As, it happened to me in this 60-month period. Yeah. Uh, that's when I kind of discovered that. I started doing self-reflection, and I started thinking, you know, at the end of the day, what's my legacy going to be? And people would say he had a nice house, he had a vacation place, he had a nice car, took nice trips, he was good to his family, and that would be about the extent of it. And I started thinking, is that really all there is? I mean, is it just about more stuff? You know, is it about another home or bigger, better, shinier, faster? And I started thinking, you know, when I was young, I remembered thinking if I had one store, life would be grand. And then as that didn't scratch the itch as much, I thought, you know, two stores would be twice as good. <laughs> and then I thought three stores would even be better and four stores would certainly be utopia. And as I added these stores and as I increased, you know, income, it didn't make me exponentially happier. 
that I thought it would. And I kept moving the bar. I kept saying, just 50 more thousand. Man, 50 more thousand, I can do whatever I want. 100 more thousand, I can do this. And what I learned through that process is, is we need to learn to be content, but not be complacent. And what I mean by that is in your present situation, if you're not choosing to be happy right now, you won't be happy then when you get more. See, happiness is not a trait. It's a choice. And we have to elect today because we're not promised tomorrow, right? We may not even get there. I know through that accident, that could have happened to me or you, Scott. It could happen to anybody in a nanosecond. Then what would your legacy be? See, you're creating a legacy right now. What is it going to be? You know, is it selfish, self-centered, all about you? Or is there something more? And what I discovered out of that, for me, success was kind of choosing my own schedule. I enjoy doing that. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 18. So I enjoy saying, I'm not going to do this today or I am going to do this. I don't have to punch a clock. I've never punched a clock since I was 17 years old. And I don't know how that would feel now. But to me, choosing my own schedule is pretty cool. I wanted financial freedom. I wanted to have enough money to be able to do the things I wanted to do without the stress of paying the electric bill or mowing the grass or whatever. So that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I hate it when people have money and they go, money's not important. I want to go, you liar. It is important. It's just not the most important. Yeah. I don't want it to be my central focus. And nine out of 10 times we do that. We say, fine, just get over there. Well, we got to identify what over there is. You know, what is that for you? You need to set specific metrics by which you will know when you've won. And for me, having an engaging family, real meaningful relationships, having a clear conscience in all my decisions, having meaning and purpose, I wanted to understand my faith better and I wanted to trust in a higher power. You know, I wanted to have a clear sense of direction. All those things were successful. And I feel like I accomplished those things. But what I was missing was the significance piece. And I had to decide what that was. I said, now I got to define that. You know, what is significance? And for me, it came down to meeting the needs of others kind of looking outward, not with Robin and Brooke and Holly and my grandkids. It was like, what about other people that are in my sphere of influence? How can I learn to fully engage these people, look at them and listen to them and help them, you know, stop waiting my turn to talk in a conversation, Mm -hmm. but listen intently. And then I thought, you know what? Not only people with my business mind that I can help, that I know the reciprocity works and they're going to do something for me. See, my motivation is a little bit skewed there. But what about people that can't repay me? Like, what about, I take my grandkids now and we'll go to like Waffle House. And I got four grandkids from six to 13 years old. And anonymously, we'll pick out one or two tables and we'll tell our waitress, hey, bring us their check. We want to pay it forward. We want to do random acts of kindness. And we'll go to the nursing home, hand out chocolate, and we'll go to the Vanderbilt Children's Hospital and give out toys to the kids. My little granddaughter came up to me the other day, and she said, Big A, this has been the funnest day of my life. And I'm thinking, isn't that unique? We didn't do anything for her. It was all for other people. And as adults, we can choose every day to do these things, yet we don't. And I wanted to be able to look out, do random acts of kindness. People say to me, well, if I had your kind of money, I'd do that too. And I want to push back and I want to go, you know what? Money magnifies what's in the heart. It doesn't change it. And if you're not doing those things now, percentage wise with your income, you wouldn't do it if you had a lot of money. See, our random acts of kindness are not measured in dollars. They're measured in the percentage, what you can do. It doesn't cost anything to help somebody. 
It doesn't cost anything to give a word of encouragement. Do random acts of kindness to people each and every day. Then I wanted to help people when it wasn't convenient. Then I knew I've really sacrificed. I've really done something. It's like, hey, I could do this for myself today, but I'm going to delay that gratification and that benefit, and I'm going to go help Scott. And when I started doing these things, you know what's ironic? Business was better. It was like people now want to be around you because your world is not revolving around you. And now you're looking outward for the right reasons, and you're paying those compliments. You're doing those random acts of kindness. The focus is on others, and as a result of that, I sleep better. It's like now I'm living life, right, because it's not all about me. I absolutely love that philosophy and way of living. And I also must admit that I haven't always looked at it that way either, but I found the exact same thing to be true is, you know, and I mean, Alyssa and I haven't, haven't always, we, I mean, at one point we had, before we found your friend Dave Ramsey and everything like that, we, we had a bunch of debt and we didn't really make a whole bunch of money and on and on and on, you know, six figures worth of debt, blah, blah, blah. But as we started going through that journey and as we started focusing less on ourselves and our stuff and, and everything else, and as we started, as you called it, random acts of kindness, so, you know, putting those types of acts out there, I very much found the same thing, that reciprocity that comes from that isn't necessarily one-to-one either, and it comes in unexpected places, and, and especially when you're not doing it for that reason. So absolutely love that. But even more, I love that your, your grandkids call you Big A, too. it's so fun we asked my youngest grandson not long ago he's six years old one of my daughters said pointed at me and said what's his name and he said big a (laughs) no no what's his name and he goes big Big a's his name (laughs) what else would it it be a minute took him a minute to say oh oh," he started laughing he goes aaron (laughs) it was funny oh that is that is so fun so do do I have to take five years off in order to really pursue this significance, or how do I get started doing that without you know, without yeah. that? How do yeah, I take small steps right yeah, away? Man, Kali, I pray that no one has to go through that. Um, you don't get over that, right? God gives you the grace to deal with it, so it's not like yes. you reach a point and you go, "I'm, I'm," you know, you don't hit a pedestrian, somebody's dad, you know, somebody's husband, brother, and get over it. So here's what I tell people, you know, Scott, you're a very intelligent, educated man, and 95% of the people I deal with are. And I want to say, before you have a heart attack, lose 50 pounds, right? And do the right things because it's the right thing without it taking an accident or something tragic to happen. Evaluate your life. And out of that, I wrote what's called a personal assessment where you go through and you ask yourself really difficult questions, not for the eyes of anyone else, but just for you. And it talks about your identity. It talks about your ideals. It talks about your relationships, your career, your faith. It just asks questions about you. It's just kind of an introspection, right? And through that process, you kind of more identify of who you are and what you're about and what's important to you. And it talks about some of your emotional and physical needs. What are they? We really need to discover what those things are. So out of that, you can say, okay, intellectually, I'm smart enough to know that I'm dropping the ball in this area. 
and I need an accountability partner maybe to help keep me on track, which is another, maybe you'll have me back on and we'll talk about accountability and mastermind groups because it's one of my favorite topics. Mm-hmm. We need people to say, Scott, how are you doing with this, with that? You said you wanted to accomplish this because statistics show that when we have somebody holding us accountable, eight out of 10 times we'll accomplish what it is we're wanting to do. But if nobody's watching, you hadn't laid it out there, you haven't made a commitment in front of anybody, things get a little pressure, you push it aside, it doesn't get done. Well, we stay on that wheel, right? It doesn't get done. And so when we have accountability, it is. The second document that came out of that is called What Do I Want? And Robin and I decided to sit on the front porch. We've had big front porches every house we've ever had, and we've sat out there, except our first house. It was a 590-square-feet condo. But anyway, (laughs) the houses, since we've been mature adults, I guess you would say, we'll sit out there and say, what do we want our life to look like in 30 days, six months, a year, five years, when the kids are gone, when we retire? What, What do we want? And then we back up from there and say, in order to accomplish that, We've got to delay any immediate gratification and we've got to pour the money into this or that or pour our time and energy and effort into this or that. So this document asks you questions like, Scott, tomorrow, if there were no geographical or financial limitations on you, what would you and your wife do? Most people can't answer that question because they're so busy paying for houses they can't afford or cars they can't afford or they've got to make this payment or that payment. They don't have the time to reflect and to live intentionally. So in this document that I've written, it's a three-page document, it asks you very pointed questions about how you want to live intentionally. People say, well, I get it now. I understand who I am. I know what I want. I don't have a clue what to do. I wrote another paper, another document called Steps to a Productive Day. And it walks you through each and every day very methodically. I'm a very regimented person. Matter of fact, I can get pretty boring sometimes because I'm very methodical. Robin says you can set your watch to me because I like to get up same time, go through the same rituals. But this process steps to a productive day. It helps people get focused. Then you can get the accountability to hold you to the task that you want to accomplish. It's kind of a to-do list on steroids, if you will. And I did all these in a Word document so you can save them on your computer. Well, Scott, what I've done is I've created a landing page, viewfromthetop.com forward slash H-T-Y-C, right? Happy to your career. And what I've done is I've taken the price off these, and I'm going to give them to your audience. So if you'll go to that landing page, just take it as a gift from me, and hopefully it will help you understand for you what success is and significance. So that is that is amazing. First of all, I really appreciate you doing that. And just to say that again, that's viewfromthetop.com slash HTYC. Did I get it right? right. Yep. All in, lower, all in lowercase. Perfect. All right. And, there and download them. if you forget that, you know that you can always go to happenyourcareer.com and view the show notes for this episode. And we'll put everything here that, uh, that Aaron's talked about as well. So Aaron, I... I really, really appreciate you taking the time and making the time. And this is this has been a fun conversation for me, so I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, man, you're awesome. You're a rock star oh. podcast host, man. Thank well, you. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate the kind words. So if if people want to get more of Big A, how how can they connect with you? Is the best way that, that landing page, or are there other ways too? Yeah, you can do that. Viewfromthetop.com, everything's there. I want to tell you a couple of things I'm pretty excited about. Please. One, one is called the community. 
and Seth Godin calls it your tribe. But we started this several months ago, and we've had people join. They're from all over the world. We have people that run huge companies, and we have guys in there that are working in a job, and they want to start their own thing. Uh, we have It's so diverse. And what's so cool about it, every Wednesday at 5 o'clock, we do a live training. I come on for an hour. We interact. People ask questions. I talk about different things that have kind of helped me be successful and significant over the past 37 years. And then we have a site, a private forum, where these guys are like piranhas, man. They're on there every day giving resources, holding each other accountable. They're uh, forming relationships, partnerships. There's people that's got a lot of money on there that would love to invest, and there's other people that need money that want their money. And so they're all, they're constantly interacting. It's $37 a month. That's it. That's like a cup of coffee at McDonald's every morning. So I made it very affordable to give people a platform to interact, be held accountable. We do some cool things. I bring on authors like Dan Miller. We just had Bob Berg on and interviewed him. People I just got met to, Bob a, a couple of weeks back. Yeah, he's yeah, a he's a, a cool guy. guy. He wrote Adversaries into Allies. Is a yeah. really good guy. But all these guys are guests and they're you know coming on to our community. But there again, there's no contract. You know, but it's thirty-seven dollars. If you get in and don't like it, well, just don't pay again. You know, you're done. But you will form relationships that are immeasurable, and with these guys all over the world, I facilitate and host it. And so, if you want to get around Big A, as you put it, uh, join the community. I'd love to have you. Well, thank you again. I do very much appreciate it. And with that, we're out. That was fun. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. You can find everything that we talked about over at happenedyourcareer.com slash 96, where we have all the show notes, the links, everything else you heard. Go there, take a visit now. Also, if you haven't already, I want you to go ahead and subscribe to whatever podcast player you're listening to. If it's iTunes, if it's Stitcher, whatever it is, make sure that you've hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You get it. It downloads in your sleep. And one of the things we talk about here is automating your life. That's a simple way that you can do it to ensure that every single week in, week out, you're getting stuff from us that's going to allow you to be able to get to do what you really want to. All right. Hey, thanks again. I really appreciate you. We would, we would quite frankly be nothing without you listening to the show. So thank you. And we'll see you next week on Happen to Your Career. Until then, take a listen to what we have for you then. And I, it was like myself speaking to myself or the voice of self-doubt, you know, speaking to me, just going, you don't fit in here. You don't fit in here. What do you think you're doing here? Why are you sitting here? Why are you, you know, wasting all this time and money studying in this field that clearly you don't belong in? I think it was, I was looking for a sense of meaning and a sense of where I belonged in the world and where humanity belonged in the cosmos. And this was a way for me to dive deeply into really understanding what it means to be a human. She asked me the question that pretty much every entrepreneur I meet dislikes being asked and asked, and that is, 
how will you identify your ideal client? And I don't know about you, Scott, but when somebody asks me a question I don't want to answer, I answer with sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going off grid into uncharted waters, so no promises. Take what you know and apply it outside the box. You have to recognize that no one is going to give you permission to do that. (laughs) You just have to go ahead and do it. Sometimes we'll be doing something and we're getting a lot of praise for it and we enjoy that, but it doesn't actually fulfill something inside of us. All right, that's all, folks. We'll see you next week. I'm out. Hey, thanks again for listening. This is Josh Rivers again. Working with Scott on Happening to Your Career, we are looking forward to episode number 100 here in just a few weeks. We would love to get your feedback and get your comments about what Happened to Your Career has helped for you. So if you would, go to happentoyourcareer.com slash 100 submission. And you can be able to fill out that form and send us your feedback to be able to be included in episode number 100. We would absolutely love to hear from you. If you happen to have already done that in the last couple of weeks, um, we apologize, but we found a mistake on the contact form and it was not getting to us. So if you happen to fill one out, um, if you wouldn't mind, please go back to happentoyourcareer.com slash 100 submission and uh, send that back to us because we really, really want to make sure that we include that in the episode if you want to submit it. And so with that you, with that submission, you can also let me know if you want to record an audio and you can be able to get that as well um, to be able to try to get that worked out. So we'd love to be able to hear from you. And with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off for this week. We'll see you next episode in episode number 97.